We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, we are back, Irish Breakdown Nation, IB Nation, as Tommy Guns says. We are back. It is Monday, and that means it is recruiting our time with my man, Ryan Roberts. But before we do that, I do have some exciting things that I want to announce, something that we're excited about, and that is, is we have added to our team at Irish Breakdown. I told you all from day one, if you invest in us and you help us grow, I will invest that into making the product and the content even better. And with that in mind, we have made two hires over the weekend. The first is Sean Styers, and some of a lot of you will know who Sean Styers is. Sean is a, a radio host of WSBT, uh, does a tremendous job. He's covered Notre Dame in the past. We've hired Sean to be the Notre Dame football beat writer for Irish Breakdown. But, you know, Ryan, it would be really stupid to hire someone like Sean and not take advantage of the fact he is such a an outstanding radio personality and then transition that into our podcasting format so with that being said Sean is not just going to be a contributor to these afternoon podcasts he'll be on from time to time in his beat writer capacity but Sean is actually going to start a new podcast at Irish Breakdown it's going to be part of the Irish Breakdown uh, you know product you'll find it right here on this YouTube channel but it's going to be an evening show that's going to launch in June and we're still working with the time we got to figure out whether it's going to be five o'clock is best Six o'clock is best, but it's going to be an evening show. It's going to be Monday to Friday during the off season and during the season. And it's going to take a completely different look than just us kind of sitting down here talking ball. And he's going to have guests on. We're going to talk about obviously Notre Dame topics of the day. We'll talk about some college football topics. He's going to bring on uh, writers that cover other teams during the season. So it's going to give a completely different feel. And of course, Sean will have his analysis and opinions of things as well. But it's going to take on a completely different sort of uh, layout, the format, the topics. It's all going to be different to what we're doing here because what we didn't want to do, and, and you know, we talked about this as a staff, is we don't want to just create a second show that's just like the one we're doing that afternoon. So we'll do some recruiting stuff and we'll continue to have our analysis and our breakdowns. But we really wanted to create a second show at night, a live show that's going to be consistent, that just 
takes a different approach. You know, we've always talked about wanting to bring guests on, but it's harder to bring guests on at you know one o'clock in the afternoon. So we're gonna we're gonna work on this and really try to get it rocking and rolling. And we're excited about it. It's gonna launch launch sometime in June. We haven't been able to to hammer out a date. It just depends on a couple other things that we're working on. But Sean is part of the team. He is going to be with us, and I cannot be more excited about that. Also, we have added Devin Jackson, and I tweeted about this last night. Devin Jackson is uh, someone Ryan has known for some time. He's going to be joining us as a as a recruiting analyst. He has a couple of things he's working on, but we're going to bring him in to start trying to get him rocking and rolling here with our recruiting coverage. He is going to be covering, obviously, the chunk of the southeastern part of the country, and he lives in New Orleans. So we're going to obviously try to get him rocking and rolling with that part of the country a lot. So I'm excited about Devin. Uh, Ryan recommended him to me. I'm familiar with his writing a little bit because he's done some draft stuff that I've read in the past. Just loved him during the interview process. Just really sharp, really a go-getter, wants to put in the work. So he's going to be part of that as well. So it's uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and and there's some questions about you know like the show. Uh, Brandon asked Ryan if you want to go ahead and pull that up. Brandon asked, will these shows accept super chat questions or just uh, will super chat questions or just accepting super chats but not answering any questions? So we're still working on that, Brandon. What we're it's not going to be a Q and A like you know like now we have our topics and our Q and A. It's going to be like more like you know 45 minutes to an hour. If it goes over, it goes over. If it's a little under, it goes under. This is, the content's going to be the key. But it's not going to be like the Q&As like we do here. Now, what we're going to talk with Sean about, he's got to get to learn this forum and this format and all that kind of stuff. There will probably be opportunities to do Super Chats during the show, but it's not going to be sort of jumping on uh, at the end. It'll be more of if it comes up during the show and it's you know it's applicable to the show, it's not going to necessarily be a Q&A. Now, Sean may start doing this and, and really want to do more of that type of stuff, and that's going to be up to him, but I don't, I want these shows to be a little bit more condensed, a little bit more topical, you know, pick two or three topics per show, have guests on, talk about, we'll do, we'll do spots on there as well. Like, you know, we'll bring Ryan on if there's recruiting news to talk about, I'll come on if there's, if there's relevant information as well. And also we are going to start a Saturday game day show. Now we haven't zeroed in on a name yet. We're still working on that. But we're going to have a basically a Saturday game day, which we talked about on the podcast the other day. So when I said the other day we weren't sure if it was going to happen or not yet, I was being honest because it was dependent upon Sean accepting the job. He accepted the job later that afternoon. And so we're going to be rocking and rolling with a Saturday game day show. Again, a lot of these details we're going to work out right now. We're kind of looking at like 10 to noon in the morning Eastern time before games. Again, it'll be Sean and Vince will be doing that. I'll come on for a segment or two. Ryan may come on if it's like a big recruiting weekend. But what we're trying to give you all is it's not just me all the time or Ryan all the time. We want to try to get as many different voices. We've always wanted to do more interview stuff, but that's not my strength. My strength is me talking. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, I'm just going to be honest or providing analysis in our perspective, but you know, Sean is great at also giving analysis, but Sean is a much better interviewer than me. He can bring, he thinks outside the box differently than I do. And so I'm really excited that I want to expand the type of content that we have. I want to expand the voices that you all get to hear from. And so I think it's going to be a ton of fun and I can't wait for it. Uh, so that's going to be the first one will be September 3rd, Saturday, September 3rd will most likely be our first game day. We may, we may do one the week before. We're still, again, a lot of stuff we're discussing because there are games the weekend before. 
So, you know, and we may do like a season kickoff preview kind of thing, but I know for a fact that we're going to start on September 3rd with that. And we haven't, we're, we're kind of looking at two different ways of doing it. I'd love some feedback on. My initial plan was to talk Notre Dame first, then the big college football games. Second, other, a lot of fans have said, hey, we'd, we kind of like the idea of doing maybe the first games, you know, the, the, the national games first, then Notre Dame games. The reason I'm leaning towards Notre Dame first is because if the Notre Dame conversation goes long, then we can just take away from the second hour of the national college football stuff. Whereas if we do the national stuff for the first hour, then go to the Notre Dame stuff, then if we run out of time, we're running out of Notre Dame content. But I'm open to the conversation and we're going to still work out the hires. But I knew for a fact that th- that just getting a guy like Sean Styers on, it-, it was something we had to do. And so I'm excited about it. And getting Devin on board is something I'm also excited about, too. It's going to really, really take on just a whole new angle for what we're doing at Irish Breakdown. So I wanted to announce that first and and get that rocking and rolling. So, uh, Ryan, I mean, uh, as uh, as we've always said, man, we're going to keep trying to grow. We're, I want everyone to know we're not just content with what we're doing now. We're always looking to make this product and this this package better. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My wife is the coffee drinker in our house. So when I told her about trying out Trade Coffee, she was curious. When I told her that if she answered the survey Trade sent me, they could match her with brands she would like, she was downright skeptical. We ended up getting three different shipments from three regional coffee makers. And let me tell you, she was blown away. My coffee snob wife loved each and every new blend that she got. As a non-coffee drinker myself, I must admit, opening up the cabinet and getting a whiff of her most recent blend was aromatically pleasing. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you and as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee connoisseur like my wife or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. And right now for Irish Breakdown listeners, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of 30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started when taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. 
and let trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. And don't forget, it's Father's Day coming up. And a trade subscription is the perfect gift for the coffee lovers in your life. Well, I, I think that's why we get along so well, Brian, is the fact that we're a little bit of perfectionists, right? Like, I mean, I, I know I'm never, I'm never just what I'm doing, right? Like, I always want to be better than what I did mm-hmm. yesterday type of thing. And I, I think that you kind of echo that same sen- sentiment. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be happy until we are number one by a large margin, right? Like, right. I mean, I don't even know if happy is the right word. Like, I would be content at that point. So, I'm, right. I'm always... I guess battling against myself, I guess is the best way to put it. And I think that's kind of what this is symbolic of. It's not that, because I think that we already do the best coverage out there in the Notre Dame landscape, but it's not Mm -hmm. just about being the best comparative to other people. It's trying to be the best version of yourself, right? So I Mm -hmm. think that's what this is a symbol of, in my opinion. And knowing what your strengths are and how other people can join the team and and bring strengths that, that maybe you don't have. And that's what I'm always looking to do. So, um, I'm excited about what we're doing. And so that's not the main content of today's show. We are going to have a recruiting hour, but I did want to announce that to everybody. You know, we talked about Brandon last night or Devin on the, on the board last night. I announced on Friday night, I believe it was that Sean was going to be joining our team. So uh, the, the premium members have known about this for a couple of days, but I want to announce that to all of you. Um, I'm very excited about what we got going on. I'm also excited about the show we've got today. So we are going to, have Don Schuler on. Now, when Ryan first told me that he interviewed Don Schuler, I was a little weirded out because I'm like, wait a minute, the the Hall of Famer's been gone for a while. Like I was I, was, I didn't know it, but Don Schuler, so that just shows my age. But that is the father of Notre Dame commit uh, safety commit a Don Schuler. And he is a very engaging, very intriguing guy and we wanted to get him on the show. Ryan did that, so he was able to interview him this weekend. And we're going to play that for you. So it's about a 27-minute long video of Ryan's interview with Don, with Don Schuler. They're going to talk about Don's commitment, his recruiting process. The transition aspects was really interesting that I thought when you talked to him about, you know, what was it like for you guys when they went through the coaching change? Because remember, Don was committed to Notre Dame well before the coaching change happened. I thought he had a very unique perspective on that. And, of course, he's going to talk about Marcus Freeman, Notre Dame coaches, and, and things along those lines. So it is uh, it is going to be about 27 minutes. When that is over, we'll quickly address that, and then we will dive into our daily Q&A. So make sure you guys are dropping – you guys and gals are dropping in your questions and, uh, and be ready to go. So uh, let's get it going here with Don Schuler. Welcome to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in here. An exciting one, of course, Ryan Roberts, the Director of Recruiting here at irishbreakdown.com. Make sure before we get into this video, because we have a really exciting interview, make sure you like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and share this podcast. We're going to give you an insight into one of the top recruits in the 2023 cycle for Notre Dame. And to do that, I have his father, Mr. Don Schuler, who is the (laughs) father of of a Don Schuler, a very talented safety prospect out of Irvington, right here in New Jersey, where I'm from as well. So I got a Garden State fellow with me today. Don, appreciate you again for hopping on, man. I know it's really exciting times for you and your family. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We just, you know, like I said, we just blessed. We just soaking it all in. And, um, you know, we just enjoying the ride. And I absolutely, I, I know it's been a little hectic, though. I really wanted to get this one on here, um, get you specifically, because – 
I mean, your son was, I believe, the third recruit that had committed to the Notre Dame class mm-hmm. for 2023, rec- um, committed in November. So when he committed to the Irish, Brian Kelly was still the head coach. Marcus Freeman mm-hmm. was obviously on the staff as the defensive coordinator, and most of the defensive staff is, is, um, remains relatively the same. I mean, I think it's good for Adon speaking that, you know, Chris O'Leary was retained, obviously the safety mm-hmm. coach, which is, I'm sure, a big part. But take me through a little bit, man. I mean – First and foremost, maybe before I get to the coach and change stuff, just how excited was Adon to, you know, commit to the Irish and just take us through a little bit of maybe the early recruiting and, and why ultimately you feel like he chose or the family helped him decide that the mm-hmm. Irish were the best fit for him? Well, once um, he actually got on their radar, you know, it was like, you know, constant communication with him and um, Coach Freeman, as well as uh, Chad. And, uh, you know, I believe he had a few Zoom meetings with those guys early on. And, uh, you know, they just built a a, a pretty good relationship with him and, um, you know, with us as well. And then um, I could kind of say once we went down for the uh, our first time visiting uh, the campus and, um, you know, Don had a workout and, um, you know, everything went well, you know, um, it was it was just you know it was just nice it was it was a place it was it was different put it that way it was definitely different and um we enjoyed it and we just couldn't get enough of it and you know basically just the, the relationship just kept building and you know uh, with freeman and o'leary and chad as well and you know at the end of the day it wasn't just about football with those guys it was just about you know his um you know his his well-being after football and, you know, education and, and, you know, his, the kind of career that he could have, you know, like I said, outside of football, you know, going to uh, Notre Dame. And before maybe the recruiting process really started to heat up, was it something that you had maybe sat a Don down and just kind of talked about like, Hey, you're, you're obviously a really talented player. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of schools that are going to be interested in you. Let's focus on these things beforehand to, you know, kind of maybe a checklist or a mm-hmm. itinerary as far as like, Hey, I want to make sure my, pers- my prospective school hits all these boxes. Was that ever a conversation before the, the heat started picking up? Yes, absolutely. Me, him, um, you know, my wife, we actually, before, before he even got a first offer, like we've been actually like talking about this, like, uh, you know, years ahead of time, ever since he played like youth football. So we kind of like always had like a plan, you know, for him and his, uh, his brothers. And, you know, we just always, you know, kind of like drove that home to them. And um, so, you know, he kind of was like, all right, you know, before he even got any offers, he kind of was on that path of, you know, we all were on the same path of, all right, this is what you need to do. This is what we're trying to accomplish, you know, you know, for you. And let, let me ask you, so obviously I kind of had introed this question a little bit, you know, for the first one. So he commits to Notre Dame, and then a month later, just about, Coach, uh, Coach Kelly obviously decides mm-hmm. to leave to take the LSU job. Talk to me through, like, that little transition period. Was it a – was Adon ever like, oh, maybe I should reopen things? Could, should I rethink this decision? Or, or was it something that was just cemented for him throughout the whole process? No, for the most part, um, we we built the relationship with Coach Marcus Freeman, you know, as well as Chad and uh, Coach O'Leary. So for the most part, for, you know, a day-to-day or every other day type basis, 
that's who we were dealing with. Um, we were able to do a couple calls uh, with Coach Kelly, you know, when he was there. And we did meet Coach Kelly um, at one of the visits. But for the most part, um, you know, like I said, the day-to-day or the week-to-week, it was always Coach Marcus Freeman, uh, O'Leary, and uh, Chad. And let me ask your opinion maybe about Coach Freeman, because I know you've probably have spoken to him many times at this point. I am just – I'm so excited to see the Freeman era, to be honest with you, man. He's Absolutely. a really impressive guy. Just love to hear your opinion of Coach Freeman and just what, how how high you think he could take these heights here at Notre Dame. Oh, it's, it's no doubt about it that Coach Freeman can definitely uh, help change the young men uh, that's, that's going to Notre Dame. He can definitely help them become better men. Um, you know, better husbands in the future, better fathers, you know, uh, better role models, you know, uh, you know, uh, professionals. Um, you know, when you talk to Freeman, it's, it's, it's all genuine. It's like, you know, and I understand, you know, in today's uh, era of collegiate athletes and power five schools, you know, it's like it's a lot of business, which is unfortunate. Um, because most of these young men, you know, they play a game that they've been playing since youth and it's, they develop a passion for it. It's not so much as a, a business with them. It's more of a passion and a love for the game. And, you know, it's unfortunate some of these schools kind of turn it into a strictly business. But with Freeman and his staff, you don't feel that way at all. You know, you feel like the genuine purpose of each and every one of his staff members, you know, especially him, is for the betterment of whatever athlete decide to go, you know, go to wherever he's, you know, been at or let's, you know, with Notre Dame, you know, to to have them be a better person once they leave Notre Dame, you know, under his his care and watch. Yeah, no, I think I think that says it perfectly. I mean, the the pitch is just very seems very authentic to me, you know, just yes. kind of from an outside perspective. So, I you know, I, again, very excited about what Coach Freeman has cooking up, to say the least. Let me take you now a little bit to the the actual visiting of South Bend for a second, because I, I I remember I was actually messaging with you the last visit for the Blue and Gold mm-hmm. game, and you you said something to me. You, you messaged back and you said I didn't want to leave, right? And so yeah, yeah. Would, would love to hear about just <laughs> what, what you what you feel like makes South Bend so special. Yeah, I mean, it's just for one, it's 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 so like it's so private. It's so. Um, it's just like um, you you feel when you step on when you step foot on campus, you know you feel you feel successful. <laughs> just stepping foot and walk around walking around that campus, you kind of feel successful. Um, and it's like a, a, a close knit family. You may not know a, a one person on the campus, but as you walking around, it's like you feel the aura, you know, of, of the campus. And, um, you know, I tease Adon all the time. I say, yeah, you know, I still have my eligibility left. So <laughs> I might be teammates with you. And, you know, we just joke about it, um, you know, a lot. But, you know, stepping foot on that campus, even with my wife, um, with, with his brothers, his younger brothers, everyone loves it. Everyone wants to say, when we going back? When we going back? So it's just, you know, it's just the aura of that place. And it's just a great feeling when you step foot on that campus. It's like, you know, just something that comes over you that just just make you want to be successful. And, you know, everyone around you is, is pushing for success. 
and and you know it's a great feeling when you took a don up there for the first time was that also your first time in south bend yes absolutely yeah. it was oh, yep. and i oh, and i was a notre dame huge notre dame fan um when i was in high school i used to like notre dame as well and and now you have a very very high rooting interest <laughs> moving forward yeah, absolutely I love it, man. I love it. And let me talk, um, Don, because I'll say this, you know, when, when Notre Dame's recruiting at the level that they are right now, your mm-hmm. son included, obviously, you know, he's a consensus four-star, top 150 type of player. I mean, fantastic football player. I think one of the more underrated safeties just in this recruiting cycle in general. Yeah. So after Notre Dame is obviously the pick, I mean, even recently, he's gotten offers from Alabama, Georgia. People keep the keep pulling the heat up, man. Is what's it kind of been like? Maybe a little behind the scenes. If you can just give us a little taste, as far as I mean, coaches are still coming after him. How 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 have those maybe conversations been with other teams? And is there any part of you that was kind of like, oh, that's interesting, or is it just like at this point, it doesn't matter anymore? Well, like I said, um, in the, like I said to you in the beginning, we just grateful, blessed, and humble just for people to feel as though, you know, that he's, um, you know, have enough talent and academics to even invite him to for offer a scholarship to their universities. Um, uh, with that, you know, it, it's, it's so many offers, like you said, that came about after his commitment, which I had no idea it was going to be like that. Um, and, you know, we have talked with a lot of coaches and, you know, he, the school that he goes to, his coach is doing a marvelous job um at that particular school so it's like an overwhelming amount of coaches that comes there every week you know um so we just kind of just keep you know keep the bridge um open you know with other coaches and just talk to other coaches because like i said we just we just you know we just humble and 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 gratefully appreciate everyone for the most part so we just we always do our due diligence and you know, talk to coaches, ask, answer any questions they may they have or, you know, things like that. And, and I think I saw at the Blue Gold game, I, I thought I saw, you know, obviously there was a lot of great recruits on campus, guys yeah. that were uncommitted as well, like Rodney Gallagher and Jaden Greathouse mm-hmm. and some great players. How much is maybe Adon now taking on the role as far as, like, he's a main recruiter in this oh, yeah. class. He oh, wants yeah. to be this a great class, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He he – He's been recruiting, I believe. He committed in August of last year. And I believe since then, he's been recruiting um, since then. Uh, and me as well, I'm a huge fan of all of those young men. I mean, as you can see, you know, if anybody follow me on Twitter, they see some of my pictures I post. And, you know, I, I talk to I, I text the guys on Instagram, the ones that have it. And sometime on Twitter, because like I tell all those young guys, I say I'm a huge fan of you guys. And I'm happy that, you know, they're able to further their education as well as their athletics and, you know, committed to Notre Dame and, you know, being able to possibly. Well, I know uh, national championship is coming soon. So I just um, it's it's a great feeling because I play football. So I'm a huge football fan in general. So when I see those guys, I always, you know, give them, give them a hug and say, Hey man, I'm happy. I take pictures with them all the time. And, um, but yeah, we all recruit, but Adon definitely, um, is definitely one of the top recruiters for Notre Dame. Um, him and my boy Drake, uh, you know, they all actually do a good job, you know, recruiting and trying to, you know, cause they want to build something. It's, it's, 
It's going to be amazing when it all comes together. I, I can promise you that. Yeah, I, I know. Every time I talk to a Don, he tells me, "Yeah, man, I'm 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 on him. Don't worry." Type oh, of yeah. thing. And I mean, apparently, I, I guess Chad Bowden needs to get you on his recruiting staff, Don. It sounds <laughs> like you're one of the main ones hey, in this group. Hey, man, listen. Hey, I definitely would appreciate it. <laughs> I love it, man. So. Uh, Don, I, I guess I, I probably should have started this, but I'm going to kind of pull us back for a second because you mentioned okay. you had played football, and I, I know that I, I think I saw something on Twitter about you coaching at some points as well, too. So, mm-hmm. can you take me through just maybe a little bit of your background as a football player and, and why this game just means means so much to your family? Yeah, well, with me, I play. Actually, the funny thing is, I played at the high school, the same high school that the Don is at now. That's my alma mater as far as high school. Um, at the particular time, I wasn't fortunate enough to get a scholarship and you know play in college. Um, I played in the All Star game, and pretty much I've been coaching. I would say since the late nineties. Um, you know, and um, you know where I'm from, um, North New Jersey. So I've been coaching since then, even you know before you know, my sons was born and I just, you know, I, it's just been a joy for, you know, for me for coaching and I still continue to coach, um, you know, at the youth level um, because, you know, that's kind of where it starts at and you kind of like, you know, you build relationships with the young, with the young, the young kids and, you know, you try to help them, give them pointers to better themselves and moving forward, how to be, you know, young men and let them know that, you know, they can, if they would, like to use their athletic ability to further their education as well as academics. You know, that's what I just, you know, bring to the table for the most part. But, um, so, so, sorry. So when you, um, so since you have the youth background, as far as coaching, have have you also coached all your sons at some point? Yeah. For the most part, I have been on the staff. I was always a lineman. So I always coached the line. It's just funny that my, my sons, you know, they didn't, you know, they, they didn't put on that type of weight. You know, they was able to be skilled players uh, for the most part of their um, youth, you know, youth career. So, but I always kind of been on the staff for each one of them and um, just been around and um, just went from there, just try to help the team win in general, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I have a little bit of a coaching background and I've always told myself that like I get very, you know, when I when I coach a little bit, I get very headstrong. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to coach my kids because I'm gonna like I'm gonna be a little <laughs> bit over the top. What what type, what type of relationship do you have as far as player coach to your own kids? Um, for me, I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm hard. I'm hard. Like I, I'm hard. I've I've thrown took took my like my son, my youngest son. That's now Donovan. He's eight. Um, he's the latest one that I've been coaching with him for the past. He's been in past for the past two years. It's been a few times I've took him and put him on the bench because I he wasn't doing, you know. So I'm very, I'm very critical and hard. And um, but the thing about it is, you know, we always uh, record everything. We'll go home. We'll watch it on the TV, and we'll break things down. And um, you know, just teach them how to get better. You know, we work with all types of trainers and you know so i figure if they're gonna do it if they show a, a interest in it if it's this their passion i want to give them everything i can give them to help them you know be on top and one thing i've loved about my conversations with Adon in the past you know on the phone and just texting with him and stuff he's very for as talented as he is i mean and he's an extremely talented kid 
Thank you. He's also very modest, which is like, I, I think mm-hmm. sometimes you lose that when you kind of become the high four star bordering, you know, top 100 player, all that, all those accolades that come with it. Can you speak to me maybe just a little bit about Adon as a person, a young man, and what makes him have that type of modest personality? And, and I guess maybe what drives him as a person just in general? Well, you know, at home, me and my wife, we always preach being humble um, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's always we feel as though, you know, being humble can, you know, people will see your talent. You know, a lot of times you don't have to broadcast it and, you know, things like that, but people will see your talent. I know sometimes you can kind of get caught up in the moment. And, you know, you make a play and, and that's fine because that's during the game. But it's like we always teach you, you don't have to go around poking your chest out saying, you know, I'm the best or this, you know, this, that and the third, you know, you know. It, so we always said, be, you know, work hard. That's that's the thing, because a lot of times, um, you know, I, you know, with a Don, he's worked very hard. I mean, it's been times where he played youth league and he might have been like the fourth guy on the depth chart. But by the end of the season, he was the number one guy just by putting his head down, working hard and keep, you know, grinding. So we just we just drive that home to all, you know, to all of our kids, you know, just be humble and just be like, you know, be be grateful for everything. And and do um do all your sons, do they play multiple sports, too? Because I, I love the multi-sport backgrounds. Yeah, they all have done soccer, uh, basketball, football, of course. Um, boxing, uh, let's see what else. And a little bit of baseball when they were like younger, younger, but those and track, well, track. And, and I guess specifically for Don, has he just been like one of those naturals that's just like good at every sport he plays? He seems like that type of kid. <laughs> well, you know what it is? I'm going to give it to you like this. He have a competitive spirit, I would say, of, of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. He does not like to lose. He likes to, he loves to win and he's very competitive. They, they all are. They, 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 they compete. I mean, it's funny. You got to see him in the house. They compete doing push-ups. you know, it's, it's very competitive. So that's what kind of drives them to kind of like always want to like, you know, be on top and always want to win and, you know, I mean, you can see that in every area of his game, to be honest. Like, he's one of the guys who I've told people that I, I think that he could play the roof. He could come down and play in the mm-hmm. box. He could play in the slot. Like, I feel like he can do a little bit of everything. What, how have you seen just his game evolve maybe over the last couple of years? You know, you, you mentioned, you know, that he you had a pretty good inkling that he was going to be a really good player pretty early on. But, I mean, over the last couple of years, it just seems like he's, you know, just exploded as far as the quality of player he is. Well, what happens was, well, what happened was once he kind of like figure out his role, he's a, he's a student of the game. Like that's one thing since he was, uh, oof, I want to say about eight, nine years old, he would watch like ESPN classics. He would watch football and, you know, basketball and he would like break down plays and he, you know, he's, he, he's been that way. Um, so like I said, he always wants to be, he doesn't like losing. He's very competitive. So with him, anything that he feel as though in himself, in himself that he's not uh, mastering or he's not, if it, you know, this safe is something like uh, you know being a DB. Maybe say, oh, coming out of doing the speed turn, he will work. 
he will say, Dad, let's go. Let's go to the park or, you know, whatever the situation is. Or if it's a trainer that we know, a, a DB specialist, we, you know, we have set that up for him. So that's how he, you know, he drives home. He wants to be the top. He wants to be the best. So, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, he will work, he will work out at night, 11, 12 o'clock. You know, I don't bother him because his grades are still good. So I don't bother him. He, you know, I see him lifting or, you know, push-ups or whatever the situation is. So he, he definitely, um, and then he, he, what he's surrounded by, uh, the guys that, that he's surrounded by is, is like top tier athletes. Um, so everyone kind of pushes each other. So that helps out a great deal too. And I only have two questions left for you. Again, I really appreciate your time. This is fantastic. Getting a lot of great stuff out of this one. Let me, um, <laughs> I guess, so I saw the video that you, I mean, the, the photo that you posted a couple of days ago of Adon and you're like, yeah, he's ready, man. And I was like, oh, that, that young man looks like a junior in college right now. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, talk to me a little bit about this off season. I know you guys have obviously oh. been doing been doing some traveling getting ready for season doing all that type of stuff what's that been like for for your family and, and him in general yeah so we came up with a plan well he came up with the plan actually after last season was over with he said you know he wanted to get bigger he wanted to get stronger he wanted to get faster so right away we kind of set that in motion and also i wanted him to play last year he played around 190 so i said okay let's bulk you let's go let's get up to 200 and let's gain more speed because before you know it, he's a, he's going to be an early graduate, which he's actually going to be the first kid from his high school. He goes to a public high school, which is Irvington High. He's, he's going to be – they did a tremendous job, I, I must say, uh, with the principal, his coach, his athletic director, as well as the superintendent and putting in place a plan for him to leave early. He's going to be the first kid ever out of Irvington High to leave early, uh, graduate early, so that way he can start, you know, his courses and everything at Notre Dame. So, like I said, we um, we put a plan together, put on more weight, more speed, more strength, and that's how we kind of, you know, it's been it's been going well. It's been going well. I love that. Yeah. No, that 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 is some that is an accomplishment right there i didn't even think about the whole public school side of that too right like like yeah. him coming through there and trying to figure out the early enrollee process that's that's got to yeah, be happening yeah yeah his coach um you know ashley smoke pa he's 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 been doing a tremendous job for some years at uh at Irvington high school a tremendous job i love yeah. that and I, I guess my last thing is with your background now, as far as like you're being, you're a main recruiter in the process, and Don's a main recruiter in the process. I hope a Jaden Greathouse or Rodney Gallagher, those yes. type of dudes are listening to this. And I know for a fact that a lot of Notre Dame faithful are listening to this. So, Don, can you just speak? I mean, just final thoughts as far as how excited you are being a part of the process. And for any other recruits that may be thinking, like, hmm, do I want to make that jump again? Notre Dame, why is it such a great place that you, in your opinion? Well, in my opinion, you can't go wrong with Notre Dame. I mean, you got to look at the aspect of it. You got to look at the connection of it. You will be set for life. I can guarantee you will definitely be set for life. I have been speaking with so many alums from Notre Dame, um, so many great people from Notre Dame that's just pouring wisdom and, you know, willing to reach out. And my son hasn't even stepped foot in a class at Notre Dame. Um, On top of that, you has a you have a chance to win a national championship as well as go to the NFL because it's great football there. 
I mean, it's great football at Notre Dame, and it's it's a great atmosphere. So, I mean, to all the the recruits that's kind of thinking, well, maybe no, get on in there, sign up, Freeman, at whatever position it is you at your position coach. I can guarantee you he's a great coach. I have so many great conversations with with other position guys that on the offense as you know as well as defensive coaches. Uh, definitely the place you want to be. And I love the mention of the alumni. That's one thing. I was at the Blue and Gold weekend, and the fact that they had nearly 300 former alumni, former players, I mean, impressive. I, I guess I said that was the last question, but maybe just for that one, I mean, how cool was that, that Blue and oh, Gold man. weekend being it, around it, everyone? It, it was awesome. I had, man, I had a great time. I mean, you're talking about a time where you definitely don't want to leave. It's like you kind of just want, okay, the Blue and Gold game, go watch the game and everybody just come on back and finish eating and, and, and having a good time. And, and we, we did that actually. Um, it was just, you know, with smaller parties and it was actually, it was a great weekend because um, the 23 recruits, the ones that's committed and even the ones, some of the ones that were not committed got a chance to mesh more in person as well as uh, we were able to, you know, link up with parents, uh, which was great. I mean, and, you know, so it, it was it was great. And, you know, we still building these relationships as it is like, you know, uh, me and Cooper Flanagan family, uh, the Drake, uh, you know, Drake family, his father, you know, it's, we just like building really good relationships with everyone. And, and it's good. It's great because now it's like, you know, we, we're in New Jersey. We're 10 hours away. Uh, let's say Drake. Drake is not maybe an hour away from Notre Dame. You know, he can, you know, if they want to get away, Doc can always go with Drake. And, you know, his father, Jeremy, it, it's, it's just great, like, you know, to, to, to be in that that group of, of, of great people that just want to see everybody succeed. You can't beat it. And, and I'm sure you left that week and you're like, Don, we might not need to try to reclassify you to 2022 so you don't have to leave. You, so you can just stay here right now. I love it again. Yeah, absolutely. Joined by Don Schuler, the father of a Don Schuler, 2023 recruits committed to the University of Notre Dame, incredible, talented safety out of Irvington High School in New Jersey. Adon, this was fantastic, man. Again, I really appreciate your time so much. Looking forward to seeing your son's great career in the blue and gold, but thank you so much for the time today. All right. I want to thank Iris Breakdown for having me on. Thank you, Ryan. I definitely appreciate it. Let's go, Iris. So that is Ryan's interview with Don Schuler, the father of a Don Schuler. There was one of the comments in there, Ryan, was uh, during the show was Ryan loves him, him some a Don Schuler, And of that, there is no doubt. Uh, he is a very talented player. He was one of those guys that, you know, when I first watched him a sophomore film, and I was like, you know, kid, I uh, didn't love him because he, he didn't look super explosive on film. But the one thing I said then was this kid's really smart. I mean, that's the one thing you notice. This kid's always in the right position. And then as a junior, his athleticism kind of took a tip up and tick up. And you're like, okay, now you get why Notre Dame likes him so much. So uh, just a couple, any takeaways, Ryan, that you had from that, that you just kind of wanted to follow up on from your your uh, interview with with uh, Mr. Schuler. I mean, it's stuff that we've already known, right? Like we know the, we've known the impact that Marcus Freeman's had on the trail. We know obviously impact in recruiting as well, but it's always nice to hear it. Right. I mean, I think right. someone, the first time that he, that, uh, that Don had mentioned Chad during the interview. Pretty early. That, yeah. Multiple <laughs> people said Chad, Chad, Chad in the, yeah. the chat. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's just the biggest thing for me is that 
they're really selling all areas of the program, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think that that's really refreshing to see. And honestly, I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to throw any shade at, at Brian Kelly. I promise I'm not. But I think it's pretty telling that, you know, the that he mentioned a lot of the fact that, like, hey, we were dealing with Coach Freeman, Coach O'Leary, and Chad. Like, that was our point of contact, right? So, I Which think is normally the case for, a, sure. a, you know, so that's not a shot on Brian. I mean, it's normally yeah. the case that you're going to be more familiar with your position coach and the coordinator on your side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, and it's not often that a coordinator gets promoted to a head coaching situation like that, you know, so that definitely, definitely changed that. So yeah, it's not yeah. a shot on, on Brian Kelly. No, it's not. I, I I'm more speaking to the fact that it is a collaborative effort on the recruiting mm-hmm. trail. Those three were just constantly mentioned and it's a case where it's, still happening right and and that was a big thing was like Alabama and Georgia have both offered pretty recently for Adon and he's a fantastic football player and the fact of the matter is is that we know when you're recruiting to this level other programs are going to keep coming right they're going to keep pressing Adon Schuler and try to get him to decommit and try to get him to flip it's no doubt about it like that stuff is going to happen but you saw that the fact that I think it's just such a collaborative effort, Brian, right? Like getting a Don Schuler comfortable and g- making him continue to feel like a priority. It's not like you got him in the class and then you just stop. Those guys talk to him constantly, constantly, constantly. They're not done recruiting him. They're keeping him in this class because he means a lot to them. And then it's always nice to hear that he's taking on a big recruiting role now that he is in the class. His father obviously has a heavy hand to that stuff as well. They mentioned Drake Bowen as a big, a big, a big person in this class as far as being a recruiter that is already one of the committed players. So, just a lot of great stuff I thought overall from that interview. And obviously, as he mentioned, there's a lot of recruiting going on. And you know, you think about it as well. You know, oh Notre Dame, they're not going to keep that number one spot. And I just want to remind people, Notre Dame's not even halfway to their number for this class. They have 12 commitments. They want to get 25. So there's a lot more that has to get added. And what gets added is going to determine whether this does stay as a top number one class or top three or top five, or if it falls out. So it's going to be very, very interesting, but you can be sure that uh, Don Schuler and Don Schuler are both going to be very important parts of that. He mentioned Drake Bowen, obviously, and, and as being a, a very key part of that as well. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to watch this this play out. And I'm looking forward to seeing his senior season as well. Because, uh, you know, and then also, you know, you, you, I mean, he talks to talk about, you know, Adon's academics and, oh, they're fine and all that kind of stuff. But you always wonder, like, well, what does a parent view as fine, right? Is it is it eligible? But then you see the other day that Adon was named to the National Honor Society. And had a you know he's tweeting out pictures of him in a in a suit at the National Honor Society banquet, and you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. He what he means by fine is that you're thriving here and here, and you right. love to see that. It's not just hey, get your grades so you can play football. It's you need to dominate here, you need to dominate there, and that's you love kids like that because kids like that are going to fit in very very well at a place like Notre Dame. And I know we talk a lot about the fact that recruiting is now relentless from the staff, right? But I also think that they are recruiting relentless players. Because the one thing about Don that you mentioned, Brian, I think that he's a good all-around athlete. But the thing that I think separates him is you mentioned the IQ aspect of everything. But you can tell that kid works extremely hard. Like, you can just look at the at the picture that he just posted and just kind of see that fact that, like, this kid it doesn't have an off day, right? Like, he is putting in the work every each and every day. Ryan, before I, I know I was paused. Uh, okay. Before we start, uh, I need you to 
connect your mic. You just, you know, do that. Take care of that because uh, your, your last couple times you've talked, it's been, it's gotten that weird, uh, that weird thing going on. So we have to figure out what's going on with that. So, but, but so anyway, Don, Don Schuler, great interview. I, I was able to kind of get that edited up this weekend and we wanted to play that on the show today because uh, really, really good stuff. And, and, you know, it, it, talented player. And I think that's the thing that, that, um, you look at when when a kid like a Don Schuler is in like the the bottom half of your of your class from a ranking standpoint this early you've got a pretty good recruiting class and I'm very curious too to see how his ranking is is uh, you know going to be impacted this year by you know his senior season because he's a he's a talented kid I don't think his ranking is reflected with what we saw in film as a junior and you know, sometimes when you look at it, it's it's one of those situations where, you know, now that he's committed, is there a need to bump his recruiting up, you know, his ranking up? And that's kind of factors into it. But I'm very curious to see how, the, how that goes and if he's able to kind of really have a dominant a dominant senior season and maybe see his ranking grow up, go up. So we'll see. Ryan, with that said, that is the interview with Adon Schuler. Now it's time to get to our mailbag. And so what we decided to do today, instead of having another topic that we dive into, is we're going to have a mailbag. So we're just going to go right to the top, and we're going to jump in right here on your questions. Ryan, you want to do a quick mic check before we get started? Mic check one, two. Mic check one, two. Yeah, there you go. Okay, we're good to go. All right, Salty Peanuts, Salty Virginia Peanuts asks, uh, what is Notre Dame's status with Darius Hayes? That's a 2024 linebacker from Florida. And what is Irish Breakdown's assessment of his talent? So, Ryan, you go ahead and kick off with – Yep. The status of Adarius Hayes. We actually, have, you know, there was an update. So Salty Virginia Peanuts, you are a part of our message board, I believe. And we did have an update from Brian Smith the other day. But go ahead, Ryan, and and share that one. Yeah, I mean, so he made his first trip to campus pretty recently. Uh, for people that don't know too much, he's a 2024 linebacker who is about six foot four, 220, 215 pounds, 220 pounds, somewhere in that ballpark. And the kid is a really impressive, good-looking prospect on the hoof. A kid that you know, early on, he's got the he's got the GPA side of everything, right? Like he's an academic kid. Everything kind of fits. But he's like one of those kids where you just like watch the film and you're just kind of like, whoa, I don't know if he's going to get out of the South, right? But mm-hmm. there's interest. So that's right. that's what, what you need a starting point. They got him to campus, which is always a great sign of things to come, in my opinion. Yeah, getting a kid from Florida that's as ranked as high as he is up for a spring game is uh, certainly a feat. And he's talked in that update with Brian Smith. He talked about, I think, Clemson and Stanford are the two games he's looking at right now as far as where he's going to go, which I think should tell us all uh, what the what night games Notre Dame's going to have this year. It's going to be Stanford and Clemson. Most, uh, from, from the comments that we've heard from him and then other recruits talking about when they're going to come. Because Notre Dame usually has their big recruiting weekends on those night games. And so Stanford being – like mid-October, I think it's what, like the 15th or so? Mid-October is when that game is, and obviously Clemson is the first Saturday of November. My thoughts of him as a player are, I mean, he he's a very raw player, which, again, is a, a theme we use a lot with sophomores. He's He shows some instinct, but, you know, the technique's not there yet. You know, the, he, he takes false steps and all that, but, man, this kid's talented. And as he continues to mature technically, which kids do, he still has two years of high school football left. But he can run. Like when I thought, when I first saw his, his his offer, and the first thing you do is you kind of look up his bio and in okay, six four. I think he's like list like two fifteen. You're thinking like, okay, 
Mike linebacker, maybe a kid who's more of a viper, a kid you're going to put on the edge and rush, one of those two things. No, this kid can fly. I mean, he's a true sideline to sideline guy, and he can thump. I mean, he arrives at the football with some bad intentions, and he is an incredibly naturally powerful kid. And as the instincts come, I mean, this this kid has like five future five star written all over him, Ryan. I mean, he has he has accept he has the tools you can't teach. And once the you know the term you like to use, which I love by the way, that once the teachables catch up to mm-hmm. the to the natural God given ability, this kid's gonna be really really good. I mean, he's one of those linebackers that could literally play every linebacker spot in your system, right? Like I could see him in a in a you know a traditional like four three look. Like he could be a Mike, he could be a Will with that speed, and he could be a Sam. Like I would love to see him in some underfronts, you know, just coming up mm-hmm. on the line of scrimmage. I think if you're a three four team, this kid could rush the pass on the outside yeah. too. He's got the length for it. I mean, this is a I'm not I'm not going to compare him to Michael Parsons because Michael Parsons is, is a different cat, right? But stylistically he's got some of that in him because you could just see him do a little bit of everything on the football field with that pursuit quickness and that length that he has. Well, I definitely see him as a Micah Parsons when you look at what Micah was as a prospect. I mean, I think Darius can be that, you know, and I don't remember seeing Micah as a sophomore. I only saw him as a junior and senior. So I, I think that's a fair comparison. I mean, you're not saying he's going to be as a high school senior, what, what Micah Parsons is for the Cowboys. It's, I think his prospects are very similar and, and Micah Parsons, actually, a lot of people don't know this. Micah Parsons was very interested in Notre Dame. Like, he was actually in the Notre Dame group chat with the commits. But there were some reasons, obviously, that uh, Notre Dame wasn't going to be able to get him into the class. But uh, I'm not talking about, like, buying him. It's just there's just some things that he wasn't going to be able to make it at Notre Dame. But uh, just maybe maybe Adarius is different. We'll we'll find out. So good, good question. 99 problems, but BK ain't one. Has – two-parter actually a couple two-parters and then another not first part of this is it looks like Notre Dame can take one more linebacker and one more defensive lineman I see Impemba as more of an end long term so you think it's really more of a Jason Moore or Impemba scenario than it is Impemba or uh Osbury well at, and then the second part is if you do think so what combo would you prefer Jason Moore and Osbury or Impemba and Osbury I'll just answer this quickly Ryan there is no way mm-hmm. and I'm not guessing I'm telling you what the facts are. There's no way in heck that Notre Dame is turning down any of those three kids. No chance in the world. If Samuel and Pemba, Jason Moore, and Jaden Osbury all want to come to Notre Dame, they will all have a spot at Notre Dame. So we don't even have to think about that scenario. So they they would take all those guys. And and I you know, and Pemba long term could be an end. I think that people are assuming that based on the fact that of what he looks like. But if you watch the kid run, you're like, okay, yeah, this kid could maybe this kid could be a linebacker. Do I see him as a rover? No, not really. I think he's more of a Mike Will kind of guy that could then grow into a Viper, or he could end up growing to a big end. I mean, he's got a tremendous frame, but I wouldn't just assume that he can't play linebacker, right? I think just let the process play out. And the reality is for Notre Dame is they don't really view him as a linebacker. They don't really view him as a defensive lineman. They view him as just a football player that they got to find a place for. And I think they're going to be open to what that role is, right? And and so, like, if you get him, you say, well, his ideal position is Viper. Well, he's not going to be a Viper and just sitting beside Keon, behind Keon Keeley all the time. So if you think he's an end, then maybe he's a big end. You know, maybe he is like you talked about. Maybe they find a role as in like a, you know, the 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 Sam linebacker. So, like, I think that's what they're doing a little bit with Jordan Patelho. Mm-hmm. When he's in a rover, they don't ask him to do the same things that they're asking Jack Kaiser to do. And I think we've kind of convinced ourselves that the Rover role is kind of like what it was with Jeremiah Wusu Korboa. 
doesn't necessarily have to be that way, especially if depending on what you have at safety. Yeah. And so they could go to a three-three look with him as you know a rover, so to speak, and and have him kind of do a lot of things that Jordan Patejo does. You know, he's dropping the coverage, play curl flat, play the flats. You know, but then be a pass rusher, a run defender, things like that, which is very similar. And now all of a sudden you're doing that, and you, you don't necessarily need him to be a quote unquote big end, but you can use him with Keon Keely in those type of situations. So there's a lot of things that a coach like Al Golden with an NFL background in multiple fronts and all that can look at a kid like Sam and Pemba and says, if we can't figure out a way to get that kid on the field, then mm-hmm. we're just not, we need to find something else to do with our careers. And I think that's the reality of it. Well, well, I would say this, Brian, just a quick note on the Roper position is when you really think about it, right? And we're talking a lot. Your mic's gone. So I couldn't hear anything you were saying. It was, it was, it was gone. So um, don't know what, what's causing that. We're gonna have to figure that out, but uh, go on to the next question. Uh, 99 prompts BK ain't one. Where does Josiah Wagner rank on the list of cornerback targets, and how would you rank the following in terms of confidence, standing, Josiah Wagner, Micah Tease, Calvin Simpson-Hunt, Micah uh, Christian Gray, Micah Bell, is Jair Hill still a target? I mean, we're still kind of putting together a list of where things stand. Honestly, the problem is is a lot of this we're not going to really know until guys show up on campus. We're not going to really know who – you know, where, where guys stand with Notre Dame, where does Notre Dame stand with these guys until they get on campus? I mean, that's really going to be, that's really going to be the issue. And and so until we figure that out, you know, look, we could sit there and say, Oh, you know, the staff really likes so-and-so, but he's never been on campus. And so they may get him on campus, but well, this kid's an inch and a half shorter than we thought he was, or, or, you know, Hey, the kid didn't like it or didn't fit in or things along those lines. So I think right now what I can say confidently is that the three kids that I know for a fact right now Notre Dame likes a lot and like Notre Dame are Micah Tease, Christian Gray, and Micah Bell, and I'm only giving them in the order that you have them on your list. I think Notre Dame wants to get at least two guys from that group. If they could get all three, they're going to get all three. And obviously right now with Micah Tease, he's far from a sure thing to Notre Dame. I think Ryan and I have talked a lot about this in that we think Oklahoma's now going to be a player again. That's the in-state school. There are other pro USC is a player for him. He's going to take all five of his official visits this spring. So we're confident that he's going to do that or this spring and summer. And, uh, and, and we'll dive into that. So uh, we'll see how kind of things stand there. Christian gray. We've talked a lot about Notre Dame's obviously in his top two to three. He likes Notre Dame a lot, but he also likes LSU a lot. They hired his former high school coach to be their DB coach. And so there's a connection there. Ohio state has been on him as well. Micah Bell, to me, is the guy that I think right now Notre Dame probably has the best shot at. I know they like him a lot. I've talked to them, uh, talked to people you know, around that recruitment about him since he's been offered, and the staff likes him a lot. I can say that confidently. Josiah Wagner, it's still, still kind of early there in regards to the relationship. I don't, I don't really know how he feels about Notre Dame right now. I know Ryan has talked to him. And, uh, you know, briefly, but he's still getting to know about Notre Dame. Notre Dame is still getting to know about him. It's still very early in the process with him. So we'll find it. We'll have a better idea of when he's on campus. And as we reported on Irish Breakdown's message board, this is why you got to be on there, man. We reported, gosh, I think it was over a week ago, that uh, Calvin Simpson Hunt would not be coming to Notre Dame. He is no longer a target for Notre Dame in the uh, the 2020 
three class of cornerbacks. So they have moved on to other players. They canceled that visit and they've moved on to other players. Last run from 99 props BK1. I'm sorry for the Dante Moore question, but what do you think his timeline looks like as of today to make a decision? I have no idea. And if Notre Dame lands him, could they get back in the mix for Jalen Brown? I, I don't I don't think I don't think they're really concerned about getting back in the mix with Jalen Brown at this point in time, to be completely honest with you. I think the guys I think they would much rather get Tyler Williams. If they could if they could use a commitment from Dante Moore to help them with anybody, it would be it'd be Tyler Williams. I think that's who they would make a, rather make a push for than Jalen Brown, in my opinion, at this point in time. Coach Bent five seven four asks. Uh, let's see here. I, I'm gonna see if you have a second part to your question. Let me let me just scroll up here to where your question is. See if I get there's a part two. Yep. Here we go. I know quarterback is important, and the obvious choice is still wanting all three. But would you would you rather have Dante or Jagasaw and Freeling? Uh, or would you also get Avery or a comparable quarterback? Look. <clears throat> Uh, the pro- the reason I don't like answering questions like this because it always comes across like, well, when you say you want this kid, it means you don't think those other guys are good or you don't want that guy. It just it 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 can always be a little challenging to answer that and then seeing who who takes it and runs with it and says, oh, so and so didn't say you were good or so and so doesn't think you can do this. And so I'm I'm never I don't love answering those questions because the reality is I'd love to have all three of them. I don't want to have it doesn't have to be an or. But the reality is, is Notre Dame is going to have an easier time replacing and developing tackles than they have recruiting top quarterbacks. So if I could only have one, I mean, if the answer is, would you rather have Jagasalt, Freeling, and like Arch Manning or Jaden Rashada instead of just Dante Moore? I mean, that's a different conversation, but that's not realistic, right? Uh, the reality is, is you want Dante Moore, but then getting Dante only helps you with landing those other guys. So I would always take. I would always take the big time quarterback. I think I think landing a landing a guy like Dante Moore is going to have such an impact on your football team, not just from a practical does it help you win games, but also it's going to have a big big impact uh, in regard to just what you can do else on the recruiting trail. So let's just get this out of the way, Ryan. Hopefully this uh, will, will sound a little better now. Welcome to the new from Antoine Porsche Rideau. Welcome to to the two new members. Thank you for saying that. Question for you both of you. What is Notre Dame's chances with Rodney Gallagher on Wednesday? So let's give it a shot, right? All right, let's give it a shot. Um, it is trending in the wrong direction, and we've kind of talked about that on the board a little bit. Things have gone in West Virginia's way. Um, there's a little bit of a backstory on the board if you want to kind of take a little deeper look to it, but right now it is not looking good on Notre Dame's side of things. Yep, that's it. So we're, we're, we will not be having a show whenever he goes live on Wednesday. As of right now, that is the plan. Dan Hart says, Ryan, talk about Don Schuler's response to the question about Coach Freeman. He mentioned nothing about football on the field. It's very telling. Well, I, I think the word that we kind of settled on was authentic when we were having the conversation, right? And I think that that's the biggest selling point. I mean, you know that when you're at Notre Dame, you're going to play high-level football. You're going to play a national schedule. And the football side of it should be a, a no-brainer with the staff that Notre Dame now has, right? Like that's the that's what gets you really excited. But I think the thing that really, really gets me excited more than anything is the fact that not only do I have confidence in what Marcus Freeman's building, but I also have the confidence in how he's doing it, right? And I think that that's the authentic kind of approach that he has to the recruiting process. And I think that resonates a lot with parents specifically, right? Like 
Don wants his son to go to Notre Dame, not just because they're a great football team that he thinks are going to win a national championship, which he truly does, but it's a simple fact that also he knows that he is going to be a great person, a great father, a great brother. He's going to be a great, a great husband. Like everything about him is going to be better because he was a part of the program and the alumni aspect of it and the ability to have those connections long-term. I think it's a full scope approach by Marcus Freeman. And I think you saw that perfectly with how Don kind of presented his perspective. You hear that a lot from kids, Ryan. They'll talk about their conversation with Coach Freeman, and it's it's rarely about the fit on the football field. He's really taken a lot of pride in the the, the I'm the head football coach mentality, and that my job is not necessarily anymore to teach you blocking, tackling. My job is to hire coaches that are going to teach that, and then I'm going to set the agenda for what we do. But as the head coach, my biggest priority is developing you as a young man. He seems to really take a lot of pride in that. And, and it's real. And I think that's what he, cause he talked about, I, I think he might've used I don't know if he used the word genuine, but as you mentioned, like you get that feel, I can't remember the specific word he used, but it's definitely, it's definitely that, that feel of this guy is, this guy's shooting me straight. There's something parents really like and appreciate that. And this guy's going to look out for my kid, whether he's a great football player or not. And I think that's even more important for a parent at this point in time. Kevin Carter had a question. I want to get to it, but there was, I know, a, a, a earlier part to that question that I want to bring it up because he's asking about what Notre Dame should be doing a quarterback. And yes, hey, Brian Ryan, I still agree with the process for more and still not concerned. That being said, I always love that. Still not concerned, but with that being said, knowing when he commits, it will bring another level of recruiting. Do you stay after the current wide receivers or do you go further down the board to not risk losing on the receiving class curious because it could be a high risk, high reward. I, I don't think going further down the board at quarterback really has the impact at, you know, on, on the recruit receivers you want. The reality is if you lose other receivers because you don't have Dante right now, that's, that's the reality of it. And, you know, I mean, that's why I wish Dante would have made a decision sooner because it could have had a bigger impact. I mean, who knows, who knows what other guys are doing right now if Dante was part of the class at this point in time. But, I mean, he's he's got to do what he's got to do. He's got to do what's best for him first, then he can figure out the rest. But in this day and age, just because a kid's committed – do you do, look, does anyone think that if Dante Moore picks Notre Dame or Jaden Greathouse picks Notre Dame or Monroe Freeling picks Notre Dame, they're going well, we gave it our best shot, move on to the next guy. They're going to move on to the next guy, but they're going to keep recruiting those kids. That's set, we've seen it with Keon Keeley. We've seen it with Peyton Bowen. We've seen it with the Don Schuler. You know, I mean, all these kids are still getting recruited. Braylon James, they're all still getting recruited. It's just you've got to make sure you keep them in the class. But if you get him, if you are able to get Dante, then all of a sudden your your circumstances have changed. And so I would still get back in on the kids that you want if you want them. Now, I personally would move on from Rodney Gallagher as much as I like him as a player. But you're picking West Virginia. And for the reasons that we believe he's picking West Virginia is like, maybe he's not a kid that you, you know, would necessarily be a great fit at Notre Dame. Right. And, and maybe he's better off at, at there. He can be a big fish in a small pond. Right. And I don't mean that critically. It's not an insult to Rodney. It's just every kid's looking for something different and that's okay. But you have to decide, is this really the kind of kid that we think is going to thrive here on and off the field? And I think that's kind of the decision behind what I would do if I was, if I was in Notre Dame shoes is some kids that have committed elsewhere, I'd stay on. Other kids are like, you know, you got to think about why they picked another school and whether or not that's 
that kind of mentality is something that you think is going to work for what you do. So, you know, look, it is a high risk, high reward situation. Ryan, we've been saying that from day one, but it's the mm-hmm. what you have to do to get him. And I, you have to you have to stay the course, in my opinion. At this point in time, especially, you have to stay the course. I agree completely. I, I think that the two major. Try it again. You think the two major. I, I was going to say, I think that the two major players that people are going to point to for the question is Carnell Tate and Rodney Gallagher, obviously, right? But especially for Rodney Gallagher situation, it's not because they don't have a quarterback in the class right now, right? If, if Dante Moore was in the class, is his situation any different? I mean, I don't think that affects that one at all. Like in the Cornell Tate one, we've talked about why that one went the other way, right? And that's also not a quarterback decision, right? So I I just push back on it a little bit, Kev, just because I think that I, I I think that we're looking at a situation where even if Dante Moore was committed right now, I don't think that changes the decision making process of Rodney Gallagher or Carnell Tate. I think that we're still in the same situation that we are right now from a Notre Dame perspective. Now, will it help with some targets on the board? Yeah, it'll help some situations. But I think those two are going to make people be a little hyperbolic to to the Notre Dame recruiting of quarterbacks right now and being all in. But in 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 real, really in its essence, I don't think that Dante Moore not being in the class right now for Notre Dame is why Cornell Tate's is trending away from Notre Dame. And it's not why Ronnie Gallagher is trending away from Notre Dame. I don't think right. those have anything to do with one another. I think I think the only one that I would curious about it mattering would be Rodney Gallagher. I'd be curious how that would be. But I, I think at the end of the day, I don't know if it would have been enough to get him. I think what it would have done is maybe he still stays on the visit plan. Maybe that would be the thing that would impact. But the fact that he's just canceling all his visits and making decisions, like, okay, if that's where he wants to be, that's where he can be. And that's fine. I mean I, you know, nice coach and, you know, it's close to home. He's starting from home and everybody's got to make decisions that, that are best for them. And not every decision that doesn't work out, like just because a kid, a kid can, can believe that academics are important to me, but he can maybe look at it and say, but, but my, for what I want to study or for what I think my strengths are or my own confidence level, I'm not sure if that's the place for me. You know, this place is going to give me a quality education as well for more of what I'm trying to do. So I just look at it and I say, look, he's got to make what decision he thinks is best for him, right? And if he thinks the the best thing for him is to go to West Virginia, then more power to him. I hope the Notre Dame fans leave him alone if he makes that decision. And uh, not everything is some kind of big negative. Sometimes kids just make – and sometimes kid make, makes, kids make bad decisions in that it's not going to work out. But that's part of life, right? And – it, it may seem like a bad decision for us and for all the things we think are important, but we're not Rodney and we're not walking in his shoes and he's got to make what he thinks the best decision is for him. So I would just tell Notre Dame fans, if he does pick West Virginia, wish him luck and move on. And, uh, and that's the reality of it. But uh, you know, who, who knows how that will plan out, but to Ryan's point, hundred percent agree at this point in time with Cardinal Tate and what he's looking for in a college, I don't care who's committed to Notre Dame a quarterback. I don't think it would matter. Matter of fact, right? I think it might actually be problematic because I think if if Dante were committed to Notre Dame, I think he'd still be stringing Notre Dame along a lot more and making him think maybe they do have a shot when in reality they don't. And so at least now you know, right? If Dante Moore would be the only reason you'd consider us, then you need to go somewhere else because that's not enough of a reason to pick Notre Dame. 
right? If you're you don't if you don't really have any interest in our program beyond who the quarterback is, then this probably isn't the place for you. And I truly believe that. I mean, that's meaning you shouldn't pick a place just because if if Notre Dame doesn't have any other things that you're looking for except they've got Dante Moore, then you need to go somewhere else. I just because I don't think you're gonna you're gonna thrive. And so that would be that would be my my two cents on that. I'm not sure how you feel about that, Ryan, but we'll we we can uh, we can uh, certainly have plenty of time to talk about that here over the next couple months. Tyler Bengi, which one of the 2024 quarterbacks has the higher upside? Julian Sand, CJ Carr, or Adrian Posse? What's your thoughts, oh, well, Ryan? Hopefully, hopefully the mic issues don't protest. My apologies to everybody in the chat. I know some people are upset about it. My apologies from that instance. Um, if we're talking about these three, I think it really depends on what system you're running, to be honest with you, Brian. I don't know if you've watched – a ton of Adrian Posse, but I would say that he has the strongest arm of these three pretty comfortably. And I think he has the most upside from just a pure passing perspective. But I think the thing that you get with both Sane and Carr is I think they're actually pretty good athletes too, right? Like I think they can move out of the pocket a little more than a Posse can. But I'll say that for the system that Notre Dame's running, I like CJ Carr the best. I think he kind of brings both worlds there, right? From a accuracy perspective, from a consistency perspective, I think his arm is is plus in that regard too. I would say that Sane and Posse both have stronger arms than than Carr does, but I like kind of the all around game that Carr brings from that perspective. So I would I would I would personally have Carr number one, and then it gets really hairy between Sane and Posse just because they're such different players. But I will say I put it on the board when Posse announced that he is visiting Notre Dame in early June. Kid has a big time arm, so there's. There's a lot of lot of upside with all three of those players, but I think I like Carr the best out of the trio. I'm the same place. I, I like him the most. I think he's got. I think the thing about CJ Carr too is I, I see him as a kid who's whose skill set's really going to take off as he fills out. If you look at him, right, he's still kind of a tall, skinny kid. He's got a good arm, but it's not like a rocket arm. I think that's going to get stronger. I think his accuracy is there. His ball placement's there. He throws a good timing. I think he's had a really good offseason, so I think he's going to have a, a, have much better film. He's a top 50, top 50 player for me. You know, he's not a five-star kid yet, but he's got that kind of tools and that kind of upside. And so um, I, I, I think he's the highest. I have, I've got to watch Adrian Posse more. I've seen him, but I didn't really study him because I don't think he's in that, that top, top group of players. But I do think Notre Dame's going to get him on campus in hopes that he, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if when he comes, he's – doing part of the camp as opposed to just coming up and visiting. I I would be willing to bet that it's going to be up to be part of the camp, right? So they're going to get a chance to see him throw in person. The other guy that I would throw into that conversation that needs to be on there is, is, uh, is Jaden Davis. I think he's a kid that Notre Dame is recruiting. Now, I don't think Notre Dame is, is necessarily his leader, but he has said some really good things about Notre Dame. I definitely don't think they're his leader, but I think he has some interest in Notre Dame. I know they're trying to get him up on campus this summer as well. He'd be the quarterback that I would put in the highest upside conversation with CJ Carr because he's a really raw kid with a lot of tools, really like what, like what he brings to the table and and really look forward to seeing what he can develop into as well. But all those kids are talented. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's been a while since I've seen back-to-back quarterback classes as good as the 23 and 24 classes. I mean, because, you know, they're not on Dylan Areola right now. He's coming to Ohio State. He's a very talented kid. You know, 2022 was not a great quarterback year at all. 2021 was a, a pretty good quarterback class. There were some guys at the top that I really liked. I thought there were some overrated kids in the class. 20 was 
not a great quarterback class top to bottom. There's some guys at the top. 23 and 24 are really good quarterback classes so far, Ryan, because they have two things that you have to have to be a great quarterback class. You have to have really good talent at the top, which I think it does. I mean, you talk about D- Dylan Rayola, just off the top of my head, C.J. Carr, Jaden Davis, Julian Sainter, all top 50 to type players, mm-hmm. and those are just some of the guys that I've seen. But it also has great depth so far. And when you're talking about the depth of a quarterback class and they're just sophomores, there's going to be more jumping into the class as kids start stepping into starting lineups as juniors. And so it's a really strong two-year haul for sure. And not necessarily Notre Dame related, but just more from a recruiting standpoint, I really like I really like the fact that it's it's got that. So you feel like there's a chance that Notre Dame – well, Notre Dame should, to be honest with you, be able to get a pretty good quarterback out of, out of one of those uh, – one of those two classes. I would say that's one of the stronger position groups early on in 2024. That's, I mean, quarterback is loaded, man. It really is. I mean, those guys, you mentioned Rayola that's now committed to Ohio state. That kid's the real deal too. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are some really talented players. Posse might have the lowest upside of anybody that we've talked about so far, but he's got a big time arm, man. So yeah, that 2024 is fantastic. We saw 2023 obviously has a lot of great players as well, but 2024 might be equally as impressive when it's all said and done. I think that's the type of upside it has. Agreed. And we had a question about it. Um, well, actually, no, I, that the, that was a comp question. We'll get into that another time. Coleman Smith asks, would y'all rather have uh, Notre Dame take Elijah Page or Joe Otting as a fifth lineman? What are their similarities and differences? Well, I mean, I guess I guess starting with similarities and differences is probably the better way, right, to illustrate why my thought process is this way. I mean, Elijah Page out of pinnacle is a true offensive tackle. Like I could see him being a left tackle long-term good size, good length, developing power. He needs to get improved in that department, but he's got really quick feet. He's got good technique and he understands how to attack leverage in the passing game. So there's a high upside. I think as a pass blocking offensive tackle, I think that there's upside there and I think he's got the chops to do it in run game too. I don't think that there's a lack of aggression. I just think there's a lack of power right now. Joe Odding is completely different. He's a pure interior guy. But he is about as physical of an offense line as you'll find. Good flexibility, good foot quickness, and he is a dog. But his thing is that like he needs to get significantly heavier right now. He's only about 260, 265 pounds. Mm-hmm. His coach said he's, you know, 270-ish now, but we'll see when the season starts. He plays in the 260s last year. So Ryan, I gotta I gotta interrupt you on Joe Odding because his mom reached out mm-hmm. to me and she wanted mm-hmm. me to let you know that you put his sophomore basketball stats on there. He oh, actually God. dropped 16 points a game last year in basketball. So I'm it saying that have it uh, yes, no, he was a no. he was an all conference player. About I'm kind of I'm joking about that. She did reach out. She loved the article. I was I'm totally kidding about that. Yeah. She did love the article, but she did point out that he actually the 8.8 points per game was his sophomore season. Because if you watch this kid's film, right, he can ball. He I can. mean, you talk about athletic. I mean, you talk about athleticism. Where like Monroe Freeling is really nimble around the rim. You know, Joe Wadding's out there dropping like NBA range threes. If you haven't seen his basketball film, you got to watch it. Now, if you've also seen the picture of his dad, his dad's a big guy. So I'm, I'm hoping, and Joe looks young. Yes, he does. He just turned 17. We thought he was, had just turned 16, but we got that correct mm-hmm. that he just turned 17. He looks like a baby. Mm-hmm. So honestly, for me, I'm good with either, either kid. Ryan, I, I'm really fine with, which, with either direction they want to go. I think they're both talented kids. They're different type of kids, you know, as, yep. as you broke down. But uh, 
but Joe Wadding is a is not your typical you know three star kid. I, I don't put a lot of stock in that. He's undersized, but mm-hmm. it reminds me a lot of Ashton Craig from last year, even more. But he's even more athletic. I would say yeah. even a, a significantly more athletic than what Ashton Craig was last year, uh, and and comes with some really good pop. I don't know if he has the frame that Ashton Craig had, but you know, because I always thought Ashton Craig was kind of long enough to play ta- right tackle if you need him to. Joe's a pure interior player, and and so you know, there's there's that. That's the only knock I have because I, I don't I'm not a huge fan of taking a bunch of pure interior guys, and I and I think that he is that, but. He's a really athletic kid and a really yeah. skilled kid in his basketball film. And he he's like driving the hoop and like hitting, you know, you know, popping stops and stuff. I mean, he's leading fast. He's a really good basketball player. And uh he may not may, may need to be the new point guard on the on the intramural basketball team since the guy they had hoped would be the point guard is you know trending in another direction. But uh the the it, it, there's a chance this basketball this offensive line class could could have a really nice intramural basketball team, you know. <laughs> You know, trade trade. Uh, if they can get Charles Jagasaw, they could trade him for Devin Houston. You know, in basketball season, since Devin Houston plays basketball and Charles is more of a wrestler. Yeah, but uh, he's a really skilled basketball player. But I just had to get that out to you his, that his mom mm-hmm. wanted you to know that uh, he actually scored over sixteen points a game this year. I, I appreciate that because I, I mean, I I did watch his basketball highlights and I was like, we're really only eight points a game. That's, that's yeah. a little weird. But like, did they literally know, show every shot he made? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but to the question, to illustrate that, I think if so, if you get so you obviously have Sullivan Absher in the class, if you get Monroe Freeling and Charles Jagasaw, obviously, and you're content and you think that both Jagasaw and Absher can both be tackles long term, potentially, or at least one of them can, then I'm completely good with Odding being that fifth offensive lineman because I think that he has upside as a center. I think that he can be a really good player in that regard because you mentioned the athleticism. I mean, that kid getting out to the second level is like a, a freight train, right? Like he has incredible short area quickness for an offensive lineman. So in that instance, I would be great. I would be completely fine with it. If you only get one of Jagasaw and Freeling, though, I kind of like Paige just because of the tackle upside there, right? Like just kind of getting the insurance at tackle because I agree with you. Usually if it's a tackle versus interior player and they're similarly graded to me, I'm always going to defer to the tackle, the guy that I know can play outside a little bit. So I'd probably go Paige, but if you get Absher and – um, and Jagasaw to the class, um, Jagasaw and Freeling in the class, then I'm completely okay with going to Joe Odding because I think his upside is tremendous. Like this kid, like you said, he's not a three star player. He's absolutely right. not. James Lawrence Zensi, and I, I believe he's asking about Odding here, but he says, Why isn't Odding in the top 1,000 players on 247? I feel funny taking it such a low rank prospect at a position where he, where we take highly ranked kids. I just, I want to say one thing, okay? Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm not, I'm not trying to say this in a disrespectful manner. So please don't take it that way. And, and, and the thing I would say is you have to ask yourself one question before we can even address the other. Who do you trust more to evaluate Joe Otting as a player? The people that work at 24 seven sports or Harry Heastan? I mean, look, this is not a kid that was really on the board. I know he visited in the fall, but he was not on the board. This was more of a Harry watched the film. He went out and met the kid face-to-face and said, I like that kid. I, and they're not just offering him. They're recruiting him. He's going to be on campus in June, Ryan, and we have it on our, our board. He's going to be working out at the lineman camp. So if we hear that Notre Dame is still pushing for him after the lineman camp, he's going to be working with Zach Martin, Nick Martin, Liam Meikenberg, Robert Haynes, Aaron Banks, all those guys are going to be there for that. 
then it tells you that there, there's something there. But with all due respect, I don't really trust. I mean, you guys know my stance on that. So if you're, if you're, if you're thinking of, gee, why is Notre Dame recruiting this kid who's got not even the top thousand, then you should probably be questioning how could you not have an offensive lineman that's being recruited by Notre Dame in your top thousand? That should be your question, not the other way around. With all due respect, and I, and again, I'm not trying to take a shot at you. I just think it's it's just one of those things where they're going to look at. There's kids that they'll look at and just they'll see the measurables. Oh, six four two sixty five, whatever. But again, when Iowa and Notre Dame are both pushing hard for an offensive lineman in the Midwest, chances are he's really good. And, you know, I mean, those are – I guess that's probably even a better question, Ryan. Who do you trust more, the people at 24-7 Sports or Harry Heastan and Kirk Ferentz when it comes to offensive line evaluations? That's with a, um, no-brainer. With the- with those track records, it shouldn't be too much of a question, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean can, right. All, honestly, not to bag on two four seven sports because I mean, sometimes kids just fall through the cracks, right? Like he's a, he's not right. he doesn't come from a massive school that plays right. this great competition necessarily in the Midwest, but I mean, you turn on the film and you're just like that kid moves differently than everybody else on the. I mean, he is probably their most athletic player on offense, and he plays you know offensive line for them. So right. I, I think that he just might be a misevaluation or a, just a missed player. I mean, I honestly, and I, I, I'm not trying to call anybody lazy in, in this process, but sometimes, like you just said, Brian, they see six, four, two sixty five, and they just keep moving, you right. know, like they don't take the time to properly or they'll look at an it. offer list and be like, you know, you know, no big schools are looking at him. So we'll just pop it. I mean, look, with all due respect, I know that happens. I can't say that it definitely happens to two, four, seven, because I never worked there, but I did work at a place where, there were people that's like, well, you know, hey, I watched this kid once, or I watched this, and then he just throw a ranking on him. And I know sometimes, and I've seen two, four, seven people admit this, like they, like remember there was there was a, there was a period where they were like going through where they were um, kids were making up fake accounts, fake names and stuff, and they were getting like three star grades because they were just looking at the offer list and then the, the measurables and just throwing a three star out, and then we'll go back and you know go around and, and look at them later. So I think part of it too is is that. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of that as well. But the other thing too is, two four seven. These guys aren't just sitting around watching film all day. They have stories to write and kids to call and camps to. I mean, so it's it's not like they've just got this staff dedicated towards sitting down watching film and putting out rankings either. And so, in fairness to them, they're they're not they're not always maybe like if I was running an, an organization like that, I would have a, a team of people dedicated to where their their number one priority was was breaking down film. Or I would or would involve people that are part of that process, and and I think that would be be the best way to do it, not recruiting analysts and people that are running sites all the time, unless there were people that you knew were film guys, you know, which is why SI All American has us as part of that process because it's not that we're just publishers, but we're publishers. I'm a publisher that has a coaching background and a film background, and obviously Ryan will be a part of that process this year too. So um, I would I would definitely lean towards that, but I. But I also understand it. I understand, like, well, why does Notre Dame have to take a 6'4", 265-pound kid? That's a good question. That would be more of a fair question, Ryan, is why are they taking an undersized guy? You know, why are they taking – because clearly they like him. And I think that they feel that there's a need for a guy that could maybe be a center down the road. And, you know, with some question marks about Joey Tanona's future and, you know, and some other things, and you say, okay, well, you know, there's there's still a need for a center, and maybe this is the kid that – that they view as being that guy. 
So they clearly like him, but I, I also think that there's still a little bit of an evaluation left with him, Ryan, and I think that's where that June camp – that's why I think he's coming up for that camp instead of taking an official the following weekend. It's because I do think they still want to see him in person, moving in person, working out, see the punch, how does he strike a bag, you know, those kind of things. There's still an evaluation left for Notre Dame. This isn't like they just called up Samson Oklahoma and said, hey, man, we're passing on you now because we have Joe Odding in, in on our – on our board it's not right. it's not that it's not no that. no he's no he's he's a good football player and and like you said he's been identified by a guy that you give every right to you know mm-hmm. like <laughs> you're gonna sit back and you're just gonna let it play out for a second because you're not gonna question harry he stands evaluation of the offensive line mm-hmm. and like let's let's see how it plays out i mean maybe he's not a fit long term maybe he doesn't end up in the class but if he's being if he's been identified it's been for a reason right Got a couple Richard Young questions that we uh, will we'll end on those. Number one is, would you be surprised if Richard Young, from Kendrick Heath, would you be surprised if Richard Young picked Notre Dame? Yes. Yeah. I mean, when we did our confidence meter on Friday, I think I said a two or three, right, that he ends up at Notre Dame. So, yeah. And it's only a two or three because he set up the visit. Before that, I would have said zero. So, I mean, right. it's – yeah. It's, Before that, I didn't even know they were really had a shot at talking him. to him. Yeah, I right. Mean, two weeks ago, I mean, I – I wouldn't have. I would have been like. Ah, I mean, they're probably talking to him because that's what you do. You talk to five star players, but I'm shot with that kid because he came out with a top seven, and they weren't even top seven. It's not even like he had a top three, and they expanded it to five. And they were, oh, we didn't know they were in the top five because he only listed the top three, and he's taking all five officials. They, he put out a top seven, and Notre Dame was nowhere to be, you know, a part of that. So. Right, it just shows what the staff can do. But yes, I'd be very surprised if you picked Notre Dame. Very surprised. But as I said last week, Ryan. When you get a kid on campus for an official visit, you've got a puncher's chance because they just went from top 15 for that kid to top five, and you've got a puncher's chance. But before the visit, I, I'm not going to have a lot of confidence. Now, am I open to having my opinion changed if we get feedback that the visit got knocked out of the park? Sure. But before that, I just I can't I can't say that a, a five-star kid that's been to Bama and Georgia as many times as he's, as he's been – and is being recruited by those two schools at running back, I can't feel confident that Notre Dame is going to get him, especially since he hasn't visited campus yet. But I just think it's – to me, I just take it as – but what a what a, what does it say about Dylan McCullough and Chad Bowden and Marcus Freeman and those guys that they can get a kid like this to even commit to visiting officially? It says a lot. It says a lot. Last one from Gavin Harden hypothetically, if Notre Dame were to land Richard Young, do you think it impacts their chances with a player like Jarrett Gibson or Stacey Gage in 2024? I mean, it probably, I mean, it definitely impacts the numbers, right? Because then you're going, what, three straight years of, I mean, assuming that they're going to take at least two backs in this class, maybe three with an athlete kind of designation to it. So it's going to affect the numbers. Does it affect just one of them? I mean, right now, I, I wouldn't even give him much of a chance to Stacey Gage, to be honest with you. Like, I don't think that he's yeah, even really in the conversation. So same I think it affects Jared Gibson. Yeah, yeah, same thing with Jared Gibson. But I, I don't I, I mean, I think that you're talking about kids more like the Corey Smiths of the world and Nathaniel Palmer's like those types of players are what who Notre Dame is. Fabian Gauz is another yeah. guy. Nathaniel Palmer is going to be visiting this summer. Exactly. Yeah. And they they, re- they reciprocate that that interest, right? So obviously they have some interest in Notre Dame. They've, you know, are setting up visits or have been on campus already if you're Corey Smith. So 
yeah, I, I think that it's hypothetically, it doesn't affect just one person in next year's class. The question is how many, how many, what are the numbers for right. the running backs next cycle? That's the right. next question. Right. Cause I mean, honestly, because a guy like Jarrett Gibson or Stacy Gage, when you look at the schools that they're looking at, they're looking at places that are going to sign backs or have in the last couple of years that are similar to Richard Young. I mean, that's the thing about running backs is running backs are a, are a unique breed in that you don't often see running backs shy away from going places with those other top running backs. You got to be a really confident guy to be a great running back because number one, you got to be a physical guy. And if you're afraid of competition, you're probably someone who also isn't a super physical guy or, you know what I mean? Like it just kind of seems like to have the mindset that I'm going to put my helmet, my face into your face and run you over. You got to be, you got to be wired different. I, as a quarterback and even a receiver, I was always looking to make somebody miss. I wanted to make him miss. I didn't want to take that hit. But you watch Richard Young play, and you're like, and you watch even Stacy Gage and Jarrett Gibson play. You're like, yeah, these kids are these are tough kids. And that's why you see Georgia have like five. I mean, literally has like four or five five star running backs on their roster last year. And you're like, why do these kids get, number one? Because they know, okay, maybe I have to wait my time, but I'm still going to get my chance and become a high draft pick, right? But the other thing is elite players are often not afraid of competition, which is why Bama signs a big time player every day or every year. It's why Georgia signs a big time running back every year. It's just, that's just kind of how it goes, you know? And so, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't think it, I don't think landing Richard Young would shy them away from coming to Notre Dame. I think they were shied away from coming to Notre Dame long before Notre Dame had an official <laughs> visit from Richard Young. So, mm-hmm. You know, we'll kind of see how that plays out. But anyway, uh, so that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Thank you all so, so very much for uh, being with us. For those of you willing to be patient as we work through uh, the wire problems, we will get that corrected, obviously. And if you don't have the patience to deal with it, I'm sure there's other channels with not as good content, but better mics that you can run to. Uh, we will continue to put out the best content, and that will always be the focus of our shows. So for Ryan, I'm Brian. Sign up for the message boards. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Sign up for the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. And uh, thanks for all the excitement that you all are showing about the moves that we're making. We're very, very excited about that. We're going to continue to grow and, and improve our content and all those type of things uh, and keep rocking and rolling and making Irish Breakdown the best place that you can find. So for Ryan and Brian, thank you all so much for joining the Irish Breakdown podcast.